Good evening and welcome to episode 284 of the Private Property Podcast. I'm your host, Uzamandongwa Kumalo. It's a Thursday edition of the Private Property Podcast. And if you're joining us for the first time, welcome to it. You are tuned in to the only daily property talk show in South Africa that helps you on your property journey. To all our regular viewers, welcome back. You know how we do it every single weekday. You and I have an appointment at 7 p.m. where I'm always in conversation with a property expert who helps us navigate our property journey. doesn't matter whether you're looking to buy, to rent, to build. Uh, we certainly do cover all things relating to property. And talking about covering all things relating to property, we also have other shows that you can tune into across private properties, social media platforms. I am talking about the farming podcast that you can watch later on this evening at 8 p.m. That's brought to you by award-winning farmer Umbali Nuoko, and that comes to your screens every Tuesdays and Thursdays. So if you've got green fingers or exploring going into agriculture, then that is a show that you want to make sure you're always tuned into. And every Mondays and Fridays, Chad takes us through the Home Shoppers show, where he always gives us great uh, you know, reviews, certainly great insights, and walks us through some exquisite properties that you can find on www.privateproperty.co.za. And on Wednesdays, Essie Klaassen is always in conversation with people who've walked that first-time home-buying journey and have gone on to grow their property portfolios from strength to strength. Well, those are the shows that you can watch every weekday at 8 p.m. We certainly do love you know, making the property circle bigger and adding uh, all kinds of different shows that you can look forward to. Remember to follow us across our social media platforms on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, on YouTube, and now we're also on TikTok. You can follow myself at Zamandungo underscore K on Twitter, as well as on Instagram. Now, our conversation this evening is one that I'm actually quite excited about, uh, and, and maybe because I've been having a number of different conversations with different property investors who want to either enter this space or some are already in it and trying to find best ways to kind of optimize um, their operations when it comes to this. And we are exploring best practices for managing a multi-let. So if you don't know what a multi-let is, we're going to look at what exactly is it, how is it different from any other kind of uh, your property that you would manage as a property investor who's in the residential space, and also how the approach of managing a multi-let is you know, sort of different or fundamentally different from when you're doing, for example, uh, one unit apartment or a house where there's only one family there. And of course, looking at even how to spot the right potential multi-let that you can uh, you know, certainly buy and financing that multi-let. I know a lot of uh, property investors who've seen the potential opportunity in multi-lets still don't quite know how they can secure financing for multi-let. Some of them have said, you know, when they approach the bank, the bank says that uh, they are not financing multi-lets or they have to have a very large deposit. So also going to be looking at ways to finance it. Uh, if you are into the multi-let space, I want to hear from you what have been uh, you know, certainly some tips and tricks that you've been able to use along the way, even in managing tenants. I know how, how more admin intensive or slightly different that could be. Now, to help us better understand, you know, and, and certainly get a good sense of what we should be doing right and what we should avoid when we go into the multi-let space, I'm joined this evening by Uza Kelemiaza, who is a founder and CEO at Bus Stop Properties. Zakela, good evening and thank you so much for joining us. 
Aizam, how are you doing? It was nice to be back on Private Property Podcast. It's always so great having you on the show, Zach. I mean, and I, I even love catching up with you off air before we come on. Um, and, and I think I want us to get straight into this one because this is something that is right up your alley. And you've certainly been able to pick up really good best practices along the way when it comes to dealing with multi-leds. But before we get yeah. to some of those good practices, let's look at what exactly is a multi-led. So for viewers at home who probably may not be quite aware of what we're talking about, what is a multi-led? So multi-let is very simple. A normal letting house, you have a person in a property that has a lease for, for renting that property. A multi-let, you have that same single property, but you have multiple people that are renting on that property. So each person should, in fact, have a lease to rent in that pro- uh, on that property. So that's what a multi-let is. Mm-mm-mm. And and I think to, to paint a really good picture, I know in, in Joburg, there are certain areas where there's kind of the rise of multi-leds. I'm looking at you know, some parts of the south of Joburg, uh, some of the older suburbs that uh, have now become sort of slightly lower income areas where the houses were very big, you know, those really big houses, even with the high ceilings, people are finding that they're able to, you know, divide, subdivide the house uh, very efficiently and and make it a multi-let instead of one family staying in that whole property. And, 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 and Zakel, I mean, I can already probably imagine some viewers at home thinking, oh my God, you've got a, a property and we've seen some of them where you could easily have, let's say 10 different, you know, people living there uh, or 10 different families because also the assumption shouldn't necessarily be that uh, you know one room or one area of that multi-let is rented out to one individual it could actually be a family so 10 people mm-hmm. or 10 families uh, in that particular property how different is managing uh, a multi-let from sort of single units or having a house where you would rent it out to one person because i almost feel as though there has there has to be a a, a um, almost mind shift when you're dealing with a multi-let or if you're going to stack up your portfolio with a lot of you know multi-lets i know some investors uh tend to prefer multi-lets as opposed to single unit um properties so how different and what kind of sort of mental shift you almost need to get into if you want to be exploring multi-lets so i'd I'd say the one it's uh multi-lets are nice because you can turn a property Uh, from being previously not a cash flow positive property to a cash flowing property. But the managing part, as you said, how different is it to manage it? Because it's now, if you have a property that's now is five bedrooms, you now effectively with the multi-lets have five properties on this this one earth. And and you've got to manage it as such, because if if you start managing as one, how do you know who's using what? You're going to have disputes when it comes to to resources and electricity and water. You can even find yourself as a landlord being in arrears because your one tenant is paying the set fee that they're meant to be paying, but the other tenant isn't. So how do you handle that? So in and itself, a multi-let is a a very profitable tool, but now you have to look at it as, I, I I no longer have one property that I've bought. I have now seven or eight, depending on the number of rooms that you would put in a space. And also understanding the fact that if you're now taking on families or taking on couples in this multi-let, mm-hmm. your maintenance needs to go up. Um, your monitoring needs to go up. The cost of living goes up. Even though your overhead uh, could be lower, but that whole cost of the property will go up. So you've got to take those into account with your multi lets That's factors that you wouldn't consider with an individually let building. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. One thing I, I'm not going to go into, you know, Zakele, this evening is around making sure that the the maximum number of people you put into a multilet that you are barred by the bylaws. They, that's a different conversation altogether because yeah. I know certain areas are actually quite strict about, you know, the bylaws when you want to turn your property into a multilet. So I'm already promising viewers at home that we'll do an episode on that alone. Uh, we're basing this conversation on the assumption that you've already, you know, ticked all those boxes and you're now either about to buy that multilet or you own uh, a multilet that you're probably not managing that well or looking at bettering your systems. And talking of then systems, Zakela, like, because this is one of those areas and I know this is, you know, your area of expertise you're an engineer by training and one of the things that engineers absolutely love is put the right systems in place automate certain things it makes things that much better um i always make a joke that oftentimes you know if if you want the lazy way of how to manage something find an engineer because they'll create the system (laughs) so that you can afford to be lazy about it and, yeah. and when you when you look at a multi-led, you absolutely have to have certain systems in place in order for you to, uh, you know, optimize how you're running and managing that multi-led. And as you've as you've pointed out, even when it comes to things like billing, what are some of the basics that you need to get right from the onset? Because I can just imagine people not even having a sense of what kind of systems should I have in place and and invest in getting because they're not they sometimes they may not come that cheap. Uh, so <laughs> you may just want to put that investment in place from day one, then wait three years down the line and realize that you've actually shot yourself in the foot uh, by not putting that in place early on. Yeah. So I I definitely say one of the biggest points to look at is resources. So if you're getting a multi-let, the first thing you want to do is, can I split my resources? Can I apportion my water, my electricity to a tenant? Uh, such that you're not having disputes. And then you will still have a common area which you can then monitor. Uh, And the upfront of splitting a a unit is is actually not a lot of money when you actually look at the benefits that you get further down the line. Um, And I'll use an example that that I have in one of my multi-lets. When I first bought it and we're renovating, I was getting a bill of 4,000 rand a month and this unit was empty. And I said, but how am I accumulating such costs when the unit is empty. And then I thought, what's going to happen when I start having tenants in this unit and they are doing estimates and I'm overpaying or I'm under recovering. So there's going to be a lot of problems. So went back to being an engineer and saying, use smart meters. Yes, there might be, some people might look at it and say, you know, smart meters, they're expensive. And I say, no, but look at the management aspect that you're looking at. Mm -hmm. Um, You can now get a full recon on who's using what in your facility. And and it's it's what we've done as the the business that I run called Track It All, where we tell you exactly what is happening in your your apartment, what's your your energy usage, where can you potentially save? We do leak detection because the technology should be there to give you insights, not just to give you a reading. It must give you insight. There's a leak happening. There's someone wasting water. There's someone overusing electricity. The usage of electricity this month is a lot higher than it was last month, but you had less occupants. So those sort of things are the smart things that one can do when it comes to the technology that you put into a multi-let. And it's a small cost up front now, but if you're going to be running a multi-let as your cash generation uh, tool and, and that's your, your, your vehicle, you want to have the control, you want to have the visibility, you also want to have the tenants to have peace of mind when it comes to you giving them an invoice to say, this is your usage because you've set it up correctly in the first place. 
Mm. If you are just joining us this evening, I'm in conversation with Uzakele Mieza, who's the co-founder and CEO at Bus Stop Properties. And we're looking at best practices for managing a multi-let. If you are managing a multi-let or looking into um, certainly getting one, I want to hear from people who are managing one. How? What have been some of the best practices that you've put in place that have helped you uh, be able to make the kind of returns that you want and obviously provide value for people who are staying in your property. And if you're looking at getting into the multi-let space, what's preventing you from doing it? You know, what are some of your reservations about it? I think one of the you know reservations that I can think of at the top of my head typically is you're dealing with a lot of people in one property. And a part of you might just be very anxious with having that many tenants in one property um, that you have to manage, especially if you're a newbie and you've just never dealt with tenants at all. So that might be something that you you know struggle with a little bit we are taking your questions and comments when it comes to multilets and and just getting a good sense of what you can do better if you're already running one and what you should certainly be aware of if you are exploring getting into the space we've got a comment coming through from facebook from andrika lehanyan saying you cannot be a successful property investor unless you understand the basics of property management or hire a good property manager and talking of hiring a good property manager this is the line of work that andrika is is actually in so if you're watching us you can actually go to a profile she you know there she runs area group uh, property management and they look at that so if you're one of those landlords who says look i just want my returns at the end of the month i don't actually want to get my hands dirty i want this asset i want somebody to to do the day-to-day then you certainly want to be work- working with the right team and i know that uh, some some people will say try to actually get as hands-on as you can uh, certainly in the beginning to actually get a sense of what is what and and once you have a firm grasp of what is what you're able to you know hand over to professionals and work just only with that um, professional. Now, Zakel, I think when it comes to multilets, one of the big issues, and I'm, I'm, I'm asking this particularly for people who are looking to get into the space, who've seen that gap um, and, and, and really want to sort of buy that first property, do the small renovation, because more often than not, you find that a lot of these multilets, uh, there's a bit of work that you may have to do to just get it to a standard that you're going to be happy with. How can they go about getting that property financed? And and I ask this very broadly. I know it's such a big question because I've seen instances where um, multi-less have already been converted. So you're not finding the gem and you're going to do the conversion yourself. It's already been converted. And now the owner wants to sell. And we're seeing this a lot even in student accommodation areas. So it's these communes uh, where they want to sell. And banks are saying we're not financing that. Or if they are, they want a very big deposit uh, to put in. So what are some creative ways can viewers at home explore when it comes to financing, particularly, obviously, uh, multi-lets? So I've also found uh, this happening quite a bit where people are purchasing properties that have already been converted uh, and they're now multi-let because they're cash-flowing. Uh, and they end up overpaying for these properties, not realizing if, if I'm looking at a multi-let, the first thing I do is I look at my zoning and I say, what am I allowed to do in this space? Um, I've come up in, in, to, to multi-lets that are very smack bang in the middle of a residential area. Uh, everyone around them is a, a residential zone, but they want to put a multi-let of students or multi-let, uh, even of young professionals. And then the neighbors complain and they end up having to shut that down. And then the person can't recover their money because you won't get the same amount if it's not generating income. So 
definitely want to look at your uh, at your zoning and then also remember that a person going into the property you've got to look at restoration of that property into a house if it was residential uh, luckily with commercials you can go over but the restoration cost is what the bank also considers so it becomes a little bit difficult to finance when you look at this i could possibly get for two million but to restore it is still going to cost an extra five hundred thousand. so the bank looks at that as a 1.5 because you're still going to have to put that money to make it into a residential so you've got to consider those sort of things in in financing and i found with with multi-lets the people that understand multi-lets the most are investors if i had to say if, if there's the best way to finance a multi-let is to get with an investor network is to have your, your mentor who's going to help you with financing. But investors understand multi-lets because they're not buying just the house. They're buying the business, the cash generation part. Mm -hmm. And they would be the best suited. A private investor for me, I think, is the best suited for a multi-let. Mm -hmm. uh, the banks will catch up in time, but you've got to state a very, very strong case and make sure the legalities are in place because the bank's not going to take a risk of you throwing in 15 people in a property that should be taking six people uh, because you've subdivided and made it profitable. They don't want that. So make sure that if you're going to be doing things through the bank, it's through the, the legal channels. If you're going to a private uh, private investor, make sure your multi-let is ethical. Don't overpack the space. Um, and a private investor will understand it because it's a return. So that's, I, I find, the best way to finance your multi -let. You know, Zakel, I actually love that you've pointed out that uh, it must be ethical because I, I have unfortunately seen a number of property investors who will and will literally say squash people into a house, right? Yeah. They'll tell you about, you know, cash flow and, and how cash flow positive that property is and how they're making a lot of money, they're making a killing. But in, in reality, it's, a, it's an ethical practice and chances are it probably doesn't meet any kinds of norms and standards. And this is partly why, for example, even within the student accommodation space, uh, you know, we have norms and standards that must be followed. And even if you want, for example, to have your property uh, NAPS is accredited, it must meet certain specs. You can't have a certain number of people in a certain size. You know, there's minimum spacing and even what needs to be inclusive in, in the property or in the room that you're going to let out to students. And so I, I'm, I'm almost cautioning uh, property investors or prospective property investors that let's not have tenants um, let's not create living situations for tenants that are unlivable and quite frankly unethical because yeah. it's, it's not sustainable and there they really are ways to make money, ethical ways to make money, um, even with that particular multilater. I think you don't, you don't have to you know, add another haunty of a bedroom uh, to have a person in. You can still make your money. So I and, and I know it's it's probably one of those things people don't don't expect to be cautioned on, but it's such an important one, especially if you're building a property business that's going to be sustainable. Uh, so you're not just going to be doing this for two three years, and a lot of people typically aren't trying to do it for two three years. So if you're looking at you know long term uh, and putting in the right systems in place, you also want to make sure that when your tenants eventually move out, they can say, "Listen, I stayed there." It was a really great place. The, the rental was great. 
the way that it was run was great. They were very professional uh, in how you know they dealt with us as tenants, as opposed to that was actually I was at my lowest point, and that's why I stayed there. And the moment I was able to you know afford something slightly better, I moved out. That's not the kind of approach that we obviously want to 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 use. And and then Zach, when it comes to spotting the right multi-late you know what would be your <laughs> your best take on this is or this is this is almost the 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 checklist you can use to test whether this is a multi-late and 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 let's use two scenarios one way it's just the house so you're still going to do the conversion yourself and the other way it's already been subdivided um and it's being run like a multi-late but you obviously don't really have a sense of whether it's it's a good buy or not. Uh, we know the estate agents will position as a, as a good buy. They'll say you'll they'll say if you're a property investor, this one is for you. But how should we also you know try to assess whether or not it is in fact a good buy? All right. So on a multi-let, which is very very nice when you're doing a multi-let, you shop outside in just like any other property. And outside in is the first thing you want to consider is the health and safety risks of that property. If you're looking at a house and you're saying, I want to put 10 people in this house, does, health, does the health and safety code and the fire, uh, fire prevention and all of that allow me to have those 10 people? And if those 10 people are in the house and there's a fire or a burst pipe, whatever, what are the risks to those people? Uh, I went into a multi-let once where they've split it up very, very nicely, but at the end of the corridor was the kitchen. And then all the rooms, there was nothing else to the house. And, and, and I looked at this house and I said, well, yes, it's cash flowing. But if there was a fire in the kitchen, which is something that happens, all of the people in the rooms are stuck in their rooms. That to me was a big health and safety risk. And, and a lot of people don't look at it from that aspect. So you've got to look at the risks that come onto the property because you as the property landlord are now liable uh, should something happen on that property. And then when I, when I look at a, at a, at a multi-let, um, one that's still brand new, and I'm, and I'm trying to get that vision, I go in and I see, okay, if one person had to live here, this is how they'd live. They'd live in three bedrooms. They'd come out. This is the bathroom, the chair. This is the kitchen they would use. Um, and it's now a house. But now if it's a multi-let, I've got to look at it as, as individuals. Now, each person has got a need and a want that needs to be fulfilled. And the house that I'm looking at needs to enable that each person gets that privacy, which is their room, their space. Uh, very, very nice multi-lets I like is whereby you can walk on the outside of, of, of the, the house and create an entrance into the bedroom. Mm. That creates privacy. Uh, it allows a person space whereby they don't need to move into the house um, to get to their room, yet they still are able to access the house because they get in and then they can go through to the lounges and so on. So it's it's just looking at how do I create comfort within a multi-led space because you've got different personalities, you've got different people, different behaviors, but you've got to create comfort that works in that environment. So when you're going into a new one, look at how can I create individualized comfort in my multi-led. Mm. And then when I look at a, a, a multi-led that's already been subdivided, uh, uh, I look at, has this multi-let been subdivided to packet? Because it can be cash flowing, but I have 10 people in what should be an eight people uh, property when I look at safety and risks. And you've got to take that into consideration because as a landlord, I would remove the other two rooms because of the risk factor. 
Now you've got to say, does it still make money? Is it still a good investment when I remove those other two rooms? And you've got to look at it from that perspective. Risk to me, when it comes to multi-let, should be your driving force. What is my risk as a landlord? What is my risk for collection? What is my risk for managing these people in this space? And what is my risk for blame when it comes to damage? Because a multi-let, again, different personalities, different people, and the tap breaks in the kitchen. What do you do? Do you point it at, at a specific person and say, you need to pay for it? Do you apportion that cost across everyone that lives in that multi-let? Or is that a cost that you sink as a landlord to say, well, I know that this kitchen tap is going to be used a lot to the point that it's going to fail. And I've budgeted in, in my calculations that I'm going to change this specific tap twice in a year. So there's different ways that one needs to look at it, but you've got to consider the fact that whatever you're going into is going to be used a lot more than a normal residential. And being used a lot more means you might have to have a lot more maintenance. So you need to set up your multi-let for that specific scenario to know that it's going to be a high use area. Don't go cheap on fittings, things like door handles and so on, because they used a lot. Don't go cheap. Focus on those high-use high areas such that you can minimize your maintenance down the line. Mm. We're taking your questions and comments this evening as we look at how you can uh, you know, better run and manage your multi-let. And if you're exploring getting into the multi-let space, you certainly do not uh, want to you know, miss what we're going, talking about because they're really great nuggets in terms of what you should be thinking of before you buy you know, a property that you want to turn into a multi-let or before you buy that property that's already a multi-let. We've got a question from Umatha Shingange on Facebook asking, how is the insurance for multi-lets? Is the risk not higher due to the number of people involved? And it just sounds too risky. It might be a stupid and lazy question. And, and this was, you know, in light even of what you were saying earlier, um, Zach, around you, you got into a multi-let and at the end you could see that, look, this is actually a very hazardous situation. How have you found the insurance aspect of, you know, multi-lets to be, are the premiums typically higher than in your sort of single usage uh, property? So it, very much it goes down to how you want to run your business. Uh, I choose the ethical route, the straight route, because it's, it's less hassle. So you've got to be upfront with your insurance and say, right, so this is what I'm doing on this property. Uh, there are this many people that are living on. This is the, the asset value. This is the potential that's on. What is the risk? Fire risk, you, you've tried to mitigate, because you put it to them. I've tried to mitigate fire. I've got fire extinguishers. This is uh, the sort of plan when should anything happen. I've tried to mitigate from an electrical perspective, the electrical fire, it's got its COC. Everything has been separated per room. I've tried to mitigate all the risks. And then you put it to them and you say, I have done from my side all the mitigations that I can do from a property perspective. Mm. And then you would get yourself a decent sort of rate. But if you find, if you're going to try to cheat the system where you're going to uh, insure it as a residential, and should something happen, you're going to find yourself wanting because insurance has every right to say you have misrepresented this property and what it is used for and, and uh, whether what it's owned for. So we might, we're not going to pay off because it's not been insured properly. So I'd rather say to people, go clean, have a good relationship with your insurance, but understand that you've got to put in mitigating factors because they're going to say to you there is a fire risk. 
There is an occupancy risk. There's all these risks they're going to they're gonna bring up. So I'd rather go with the, I'm, I've mitigated them in this fashion. Uh, and is this acceptable to you? Mm-hmm. And for example, I mean, in South Africa, we don't look at things like smoke detectors and, and fire uh, detectors. But from an insurance perspective, if, if I had a multi-let and someone came to me and said, well, listen, I've mitigated the fire risk because we've got smoke detectors in, in the kitchens and in, in certain areas on the property um, and it's been passed off by the fire chief to say that this building is acceptable to hold this many people, my risk factor drops down. So mm. I, I would definitely say to people, be transparent with, with uh, your insurance because don't be scared of, of a premium that might go up 200 or 300 rand because a burnt down house versus 200, 300 rand a month, it's a no brainer really. And, and I think, Zakele, if anything, it really does speak to how sometimes, and it's not just, you know, property investors or landlords, really all of us, sometimes you want to save rands and cents um, on a particular thing, not realizing the potential implications that saving that extra, whether it's 50 rands, 100 rand, perhaps even 1,000 rand has in the long term. So it does actually pay off to sometimes just pay that little bit extra because you do have that peace of mind. You know, if anything, I think about how with insurance quotes, you don't necessarily always go with the cheapest one. You want to compare, make sure that uh, it actually, everything is comprehensive, all inclusive, and only then, you know, can you say, okay, I'll go with the cheaper version because all things being equal in as far as what you've been quoted, uh, this one still comes out better. So the lowest price isn't always the best. Uh, and, and that's certainly something that we always have to be careful of. Going to more of your questions and comments at home, Ojoso Chumelo saying a multi-let uh, are really a challenge, especially if you're accommodating a lot of people. And Gosso um, goes on to say that safety can also be a challenge, especially if you have students um, as tenants. And I know that sometimes students can, uh, will say, be reckless because it, it is that time of, I guess, their lives where they're slightly more reckless and they haven't fully started adulting. Um, another comment that came in from Andrika uh, saying, managing residential multi-let properties is not different from managing shopping centers or multi-tenant uh, multi-tenanted office parks you can always charge them a proportionate share of the space they are currently occupying especially if you'll be recovering gardening fees insurance etc and she goes on to say it's important to do a thorough feasibility study so financial and marketing on your ideal multi-let development before wasting money on a redevelopment project or a new one which will not yield any returns in the future we need to educate our people especially those investing in back rooms egasi running a multi running a multi property is more than just putting tenants and collecting rentals and that's such an important one to note that if you professionalize what you're doing from the get-go, it makes certain things that much easier. You're able to put in you know, systems that would be used for even running you know, big office parks. Um, so don't go thinking, look, this is just my tiny little thing. Put the right systems in place from the get-go. It's easier for you to also uh, you know, grow your portfolio if that's the strategy that you are going for. Uh, another comment here coming from Umkate Baloi saying, multi-lets is such a financially safer, safer option for me. One is less likely to have uh, zero income from a property and i think you know Zakela, that's one of the reasons why so many 
people are now sort of looking at the multi-let space that if you look at you know one one sort of property where you're going to let out let's say your apartment or your house to one person versus that multi-let that may have let's say four or five different people or families you'd unlikely going to have you know all your tenants not paying rent in one month in the multi-let versus if it's just that one property and they don't pay then you've you know you've kind of gotten zero um but be- before i let you go Zach, because I, I see we're slowly running out of time i want to find out from you and you've really touched on it the, firstly what should we not do if we're considering going into the multi-let space. Uh, so almost the, these are the mistakes that you want to make sure you avoid, don't do it. It may seem like the cheaper option or the safer option or whatever uh, you know, story you kind of tell yourself at the time, but actually it, it, it has devastating consequences down the line. So I think there's probably quite a few things that one can touch on with don't do's. Uh, but the biggest one that I found is the guys that buy a property, make it into a multi-let, but convert every bit of space on that property into a room or something that someone needs to inhabit such that they can generate revenue. Don't do that because when it comes to something might happen as we've got COVID at the moment where people have moved out of multi-lets where students can actually stay at home with internet and still get to varsity and interact if something does happen, you will find it very difficult to sell that property because that property was cash flowing and now you're expecting a higher return on that property. You will not be able to sell it because it's not generating the revenue. It's no longer that business because you've converted it into a very, very poor multilet. So one, stay away from, from a multilet that has converted every single nook and cranny into a living space because you've got to be able to unconvert that. So there's an extra cost and you won't be able to recover your money. The other things that I say to people to, to, to stay out of multi-let, and this is where my ethics point comes in, is that if you're going to have a multi-let, for example, with 10 rooms, uh, we're living in the modern day age, make sure there's at least eight parkings. Uh, there will be some people that might not have cars, but if you've covered 80% of your tenants in your multi-let and you have ensured that they have parking inside the premises, the chances of those tenants leaving due to uh, uh, not being able to live comfortably is a lot less. So make sure that you can accommodate for them. Everyone these days has got a car. Uh, Even the guys that uh, would say are the lowly lowly paid workers who might be earning 8,000 rand a month, they still have a car. So make sure you've catered for how people actually live. And and the last thing I might say to to avoid within a multi-let, avoid the one bill and everyone is going to apportion to it. Uh, Mm. When someone doesn't pay, it becomes an issue. Uh, Because now it's like, what portion does that one owe? So avoid having the the one bill for everyone. Uh, And I'm going to collect a set fee of 500. Rather... Put the money up front. I would go with smart meters. If you can't afford smart meters, you can still use analog meters. Analog meters work perfectly fine. It just means you, can, you just have to do a reading on those meters. But separating your utilities, causing abstraction on that property is probably the best way you can go to make sure that your multilet is profitable. Uh, as the, the last viewer said, it's like managing a commercial property. I mean, we're busy doing, uh, at Energy Capital, we're busy doing metering in shopping centers and 
and the findings we are finding whereby a shop has got two feeds going into it, but only being billed for one. And then the shop owner then doesn't like you when you're saying, well, you've actually been underpaying for electricity because this is not on your bill. Or we get the complete inverse where a tenant has been paying uh, for a meter that doesn't actually exist. The meter is being billed on their, on, on their, on, on, on their bill uh, with estimate readings that they've been paying every month, but in the meter room, it doesn't exist. So now there's a savings opportunity. Whereas set the things up right, whereby we know that resources are something that are going to be utilized. We know we need to apportion them, but we've got to be able to account for them. So rather set it up right, avoid the, I'm going to save money now by not splitting my electricals or splitting my water. Avoid that because you're planning for longevity. You want people to be able to seamlessly move in and out of their house and not feel like they're being taken for a ride when it comes to the utilities that they use. Mm. A final comment coming through from Usemi Mahato on Facebook saying multilets are good, um, but multilets is good for me um, relative to having one tenant. At the moment, I have few students in both houses and they're covering their bills for me. And I can imagine if I had one, it will be tears all around. And that's certainly the safety net that multilets has provided for a number of people who are in that space. Zach, I know you and I can talk property for a very long time. We're going to leave it there this evening. Thank you so much for joining us. It's my pleasure. Thank you, Zama, and thank you for having me again. Um, I, I look forward to seeing a lot more people with multilets because if you do set up a multilet, right, it is very, very profitable. Mm-hmm. And we're certainly going to, you know, catch up with our viewers at home. If you are going to be setting up a multilet, let us know down here. Uh, I'll ask this question later in the year if you have actually gone on uh, and bought your multilet and how the progress is going. Well, we're going to leave it there this evening. Thank you very much to Uzakela Miaza, who is a founder and CEO at Bus Stop Properties. That's been the Thursday edition of the Private Property Podcast with myself, Uzamantungwa Kumalo. You look forward to the farming podcast at 8 p.m with award-winning farmer Umba Linwoko. Until then, hoping you're staying home and staying safe.